Hey, welcome back to Season 3 of Pigeon Hockey, a participating member of the Hockey Focus Family Podcast. This is Chris and today's co-host, Brendan. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. No, not a problem. You're you're now a co-host here. And what we're going to say is we don't claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans. I love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. But, Brendan, you're officially a co-host here on the Pigeon Hockey Podcast. Welcome to the co-host team. I have been upgraded. I like this. This is going to go great. We've, <laughs> we're going to have a banger today for my first uh, first official maiden voyage as, as a co-host. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are. We are. Because honestly, we did this last year and we kind of did it. I forget what the first part of the episode was. It might have been the highlights of the year or something. And then we wrapped up with a bonus episode because I was dropping bonus episodes at the time. And uh, we did the annual awards and it was just a mountain division. And that was, up until a couple weeks ago, the second most downloaded episode um, we've ever had. Uh, people really, really liked it. We got a ton of great feedback, and it's back. It's uh, it's going to become a regular feature on the podcast, but it's not just going to be the Mountain Division this year. We're going to be talking about all the award recipients in the West because I've watched them all all year. And, uh, but we'll get into that. Right now, we kind of want to briefly touch on the fact that the first round of the playoffs – has wrapped up. What do you think of uh, how things unfolded? I think that, A, it was a doozy. Yeah. And, and I want to toss this out there because I had this message, uh, this conversation offline with Stefan Bell, who's now with the Anaheim Ducks. And I was co-broadcasting the playoffs last year with him. And, you know, I watched him kind of deal with the heartbreak of losing at home. And I got that treatment this year as the Spud Kings came in and won two very competitive games against Northern Colorado. And, man, I, I think the, the hardest part about the playoffs is just the sudden stop of watching guys, you know, especially age outs that, you know, their junior career is just over. Um, and watching that emotion is so, so Northern Colorado and, and Provo had to experience that this past weekend um, in heartbreaking fashion in the Mountain Division. Um, the same is true for some of the prospectors, O2s, who fell to Seattle, San Diego, um, and Ontario. So, I mean, before I look ahead, I want to look back and just acknowledge, like, they made it to the playoffs. It, they were hard-fought series all across the, the West. But we say goodbye to those teams, and you still got a lot of great matchups coming up. Yeah, it was um, it was really really interesting to watch all the playoff games. Uh, I've recently, of course, for you listeners, you've seen all the articles at this point. But I did have because we're recording this on March seventh. I did drop an article on uh, kind of an assessment of the Pacific Division. Uh, how the playoffs unfolded and and to kind of look ahead towards the next round um, about to drop one on the Northwest and uh, then mountains will probably drop tomorrow. I'll go for you listeners yesterday. <laughs> so um, uh, it's, it's being able to really rethink about how those series went and try to write something at least, I guess, legible. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> it, it's, I don't know how else to put it, but uh, I'm sure a few of you are going to figure out some typos in there, but, uh, you know, work with me here. But no, it, it's, it was fun. It was it was fun to watch, and it was heartbreaking to see the O2s be on the ice basically the last time. And even just recently, I've been with the USPHL playoffs. I, I watched as much as I can right out the gate, and so I'm left kind of with this weird gap throughout the week, and I've been watching the VIJHL. And uh, 
the broadcasters there. I think it was the Glacier Kings and whoever they're playing right now. Uh, those two teams, have, those two broadcast teams have partnered up for the playoffs because their teams are playing each other. And they're talking about the same thing, watching the 20-year-olds, you know, leave the ice for the last time and, and, and what that means. And I think they're talking about how it affected the, the players last year. And they said the same thing you did. It's just it's the toughest thing to watch because they have to move on with their lives. They have to leave junior hockey, whether that means playing college hockey or just, you know, moving into men's leagues, uh, maybe just stopping with hockey and moving on to other things in life. It's, it's a big ending to something that's been a pretty significant time in their lives. And as they had a player up there who'd been playing for five or six years, you also had in Northern Colorado, you know, Quinn O'Reilly, six seasons as a junior hockey player. And uh, he's losing a big thing in his life. You know, one of the things I said on air in game two of the Idaho Falls Northern Colorado series, and I firmly believe it, playoff hockey is the most exhilarating and nauseating combined feeling that you can experience, I think, in, in yeah. sports, um, just for that reason alone, right? I mean, you know, you have Quinn O'Reilly, who you mentioned played six seasons in junior hockey, three and a half in NOCO. You've got guys that are still playing, right, that are you know, may have that experience upcoming. Uh, Jake Neary, Narek Alexanian, a few others. And, and so it's just, it is such a, a yo-yo emotionally this time of year. It, it really is. And um, uh, me and you have been talking about it a lot, but, uh, you know, we, we could probably briefly touch on the series that are upcoming here. Uh, but ultimately, I know I'm dropping articles on the Hockey Focus and you're dropping articles for the league itself. Yep. Um, so we definitely encourage all of our listeners to get out there, check out the articles. We go more in depth on those articles than we're going to be able to in this podcast. This podcast will ultimately be about basically the players of the year. We'll just say that, Brendan, there's four series coming up this weekend. You've got Vernal hosting Seattle. That's going to be a grudge match. That's going to be Really fun to watch. Seattle ran into a very tough Rock Springs prospectors team this past weekend. In the Pacific, you got Fresno hosting Las Vegas. I have no idea which way that one's going to go. <laughs> That's going to be an incredibly good competitive series. You've also got the Narek Alexanian Revenge Tour possibly in the playoffs. So, <laughs> no, that, that's going to be a lot of fun. Outside of the Mountain Division, that's probably the, the series that I'm most excited to, to see the results of. Yeah, absolutely. And then then you're talking about the actual Mountain Division. You got I really thought with the way things were going to go uh, after the first game in Pueblo against Provo that Provo is going to be heading off to West Valley and Ogden was going to have to face those feisty Spud Kings. But as it would so happen, the Pueblo Bulls found that extra gear. I mean, definitely packed there behind Bjork because Lucas Bjork was just unbelievable. He just he really carried that team when they weren't willing to score or unable, I guess not willing, but unable to score on Sirduk. As it plays out now, Idaho Falls is going down to Utah and that that series, that is going to be a really, really fun series. And I'm expecting Spud Kings fans are going to show up in the masses down there in, in Utah. So that's going to be a fun series. I, I thought so as well. Uh, there were, I, I want to say, there were probably about 20, 25 folks easily in Greeley the past weekend rooting for the Spud Kings, rocking jerseys, rocking merch. And I think, you know, with Pueblo, isn't playoff hockey it comes down to can you get a hot goaltender? And is it a guy that doesn't normally get you goals that comes up with huge moments? 
and Luke Garrienti, who he had two goals in that yep. series, and they were arguably the two biggest goals in that series, um, including that triple OT winner in game two. So all of a sudden, you know, you you're now in a position where you win your series in the mountain division, you're in nationals because they get two teams. You do not have to win a championship. And so for Ogden and Pueblo, they've both been the bridesmaid a couple of times now. Pueblo's made a division final and lost to Utah. Ogden's made a division final and lost to Utah. One of them gets to go to nationals without having to lose to Utah. <laughs> yes, they yes they will. So one of those teams, and I tell you, I still think Ogden's definitely got the upper hand, but Ogden's been off for a couple of weeks, and Pueblo really had a fight. And it might be a Gary Enti that launches Pueblo to West Valley the following weekend. Like you said, he's basically was scored two of the biggest goals of the bowl season. Um, against Provo, and uh, it's going to be an unsung hero, I think, that that uh, advances their team, whether it's Pueblo or Ogden, uh, is going to be the one that launches their team to face off against either Idaho Falls or Utah. But uh, I think it's a perfect time now for us to break into our awards for this year. Me and you have been talking, and we're at one point going to have our other co-host here, Sam Maluth, who's also joining the the broad not the broadcast team here, but the podcast team out of uh, the Rogue Valley. I tell you, it's to pick only one name for each of these awards was so much harder than I thought it would be. I thought, okay, yeah, like last year, I'm gonna see the I'm gonna see the award and then just drop the name in there, and there's not going to be you know way way too much debate. This was tough to the point where I literally had to go back to all our standouts of the month and actually start a scoring system on my computer so I could legitimately be like, am I wrong here? And uh, I probably shifted a couple players around there, but in most cases, uh, you know, I was right. But a player is only going to be able to receive one award. So if, if the player gets like the age out award or the northwest division goalie of the year award that's going to be the one award there's so many players there's over 400 players uh, that played in the uh, usphl west this year there was a lot of standouts you know i can only pick one player per an award so um if you weren't mentioned here you might have been one of the five or six people in the line that uh, i was debating until i finally decided on the the award recipient so for this podcast it's going to be 17 player awards out of the 20 awards and again with 18 teams not every team will be represented uh, especially as there's a couple teams that have a couple winners you know it's just the way it is i'm thinking brendan down the line uh, if i get enough feedback on it we can always do a divisional awards episode uh, lord knows i have a laundry list of names per section so that wouldn't be that hard of an episode for me to produce this one was much harder because it is for the entire west you know if you've got content you might as well stretch it out and i know you said you've got uh 17 player awards right and not every team you put all your disclaimers in that was really nice <laughs> not every team's going to be represented you're doing your best but i yeah. mean starting before we get to the player awards right you took it upon yourself to do thank you broadcast team of the year awards for divisions and i guess we'll start yes. with the northwest chris yeah and it was important because 
a part of the experience, a big, big part of the experience, especially someone who grew up in Buffalo and watched Rick Jenneret my entire life. Oh, a big, big part of the, the. He's incredible. Right? Sorry, not to cut you off. I just I'm always, always down for some Rick Jenneret love. Unbelievable. There couldn't be a better Buffalo Sabre name up in the rafters than Rick Jenneret because so many of the most classic calls in NHL history were Rick Jenneret. And that's what that's what broadcast teams provide play by play and color commentators. I'm, it's so much more exciting when you got a good broadcasting team doing the important aspect of, of calling the game for those of us out there so i figured it was definitely important to highlight those teams that did incredible and yeah let's start in the northwest and for the northwest uh it should come as no shocker here from my previous podcast but it's going to be the rogue valley royals it's going to be kyle clements and sam maluth they make unbiased calls great calls for both teams really and they're fun to listen to i mean (laughs) kyle clements can make the most boring plays seem exciting when you have a two-man tandem that can make the game enjoyable and they're able to find that sweet balance between being able to enjoy conversation, each other's company, and being able to enjoy what's going out on the ice. I think that can be a rare find, especially with Rogue Valley coming back to action this year in that Medford market. I think it's it's really good to have a quality broadcast team, um, and I'm excited to see what they do in year two. Yeah, me too. I mean, they it was super fun to watch them all year, and they really, for the playoffs, for the for that round of, I can't even say playoffs, but for their, well, really ended up being kind of a playoff match against Bellingham with the way things happened because Lake Tahoe couldn't make its way up to Rogue Valley due to that snow that just keeps falling in Lake right. Tahoe. Um, you know, and speaking of the 20-year-olds that didn't really get their last second on the ice because it was taken away. So, you know, definitely a shout out to the 20-year-olds that were in Lake Tahoe that didn't even get to play in their their final uh, junior games. I tell you, they, Rogue Valley packed the house. It was so fun to watch that crowd in Medford. They do such a good job packing the, the r- 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 rink because there's three R's, four R's, can <laughs> track. Um, no, they I think they're adding a fifth. <laughs> One for each season. Uh, no, they, they do a great job uh, in that market, and, and it was nice to see that building full. And, you know, playoff hockey will bring out crowds in full force. That it will. That it will. And so we'll move into then the Pacific Division play-by-play team of the year. This is going to be the Long Beach Shredders. This is Brian Flores and Taylor Peterson. Again, unbiased. Great calls for both sides. Very fun to listen to. Basically, all the reasons I gave for the Rogue Valley Royals, I can give for the Long Beach Shredders uh, play-by-play broadcasting team there. I mean, those two are so much fun to listen to. Brian is a riot. I really like him a lot. It's an enjoyable listen. And again, they're in the same boat as Rogue Valley in some respects. This is the second year in Long Beach. And, you know, Chris, sometimes if you've got a, a fun brand and a fun broadcast, that really can be your identity as a programmer. It can be your niche, right? I mean, I on the baseball side, I'm a San Diego Padres fan, and their broadcast team, I mean, they have so many jokes, so many inside things that Padres have merchandise with that stuff, and it sells because it's so ingrained in part of the, the identity around the fandom. And Brian and Taylor are slowly, I think, creating that for Long Beach because it's such a unique, fun experience to listen to. 
It is. I mean, and that's what I like. I like when the broadcasting teams make it fun. I like everything from them about to lose it on the people with the horns a few weeks ago, which I couldn't agree with them more. They, those air horns should not be allowed in arenas ever again. They're, they're so much fun to listen to. They make it excellent for both teams. And, and that leads us then now into the Mountain Division. And for the Mountain Division, it's going to be – actually, it's not a team. It's just kind of a play-by-play guy. And it's out of Northern Colorado. Brendan, it's you. Oh, hey, <laughs> look, you, it's you're, me. Yeah, we, we <laughs> talk all this We talk all this game about how, you know, it can be fun and engaging to have the, the two-person chemistry. And, uh, yeah, I'm a, a one-man show out in NOCO. Uh, I appreciate the recognition, for starters, Chris. No problem. It's, it's honestly, it's it's so much fun to listen to your games. Uh, like, again, you, you mentioned Stefan Bell, um, who's now with the Ducks, but it was the Ogden Mustangs uh, guy for the last couple of years. You both kind of ran solo shows where you didn't have a color commentator to feed off of. And, and he would call a great game in Ogden and, you know, definitely miss him being in the booth there. It was it was super fun to listen to even last year and the last couple of years with you in the booth there with Northern Colorado. You make unbiased calls. Um, I would say that it, it's also very important for me as, as someone who's wearing headphones on my ears the entire time watching these games for the broadcasters that don't end up screaming into my ear during a goal. I, they can, li- I they can raise I can. their voice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Brendan, you call a great game. No, I, I really appreciate that. And I, I think the piece that I would add is I, especially over the last couple of months around the division, I just can't, I can't describe how complimentary and kind generally um, everyone has been, you know, yourself. And I've had a few parents um, this year from Ogden and a couple of fans in Idaho Falls that have just taken the time to individually reach out, find me on the social and say like, hey, we really appreciate what you're doing. And at the end of the day, like that's what we do it for is we're doing it for players. We're doing it for parents. We're doing it for fans. And especially where when everyone comes to NOCO, they've only got me. They don't get their visiting their own guy. Right. And so I just wanted to be able to take a minute to say thank you to everybody for all of the, the kind words and the support. Well, it's it's definitely well learned, Brendan. That's why it's exciting to have you as part of this team now, because. You're able to contribute a lot to, obviously, you call a great game and everything, but you have a lot of, like, really good information during the games that just makes watching the game more interesting. And maybe that's what you're getting from the San Diego Padres right there. <laughs> those those little tidbits of information really do make the watching the game and the whole experience of that just that much more interesting and that much more entertaining. Well, and, you know, thinking about all of the different little, little factoids, some of it, right, comes from, you know, having the opportunity to to watch guys for one, two, three years at a time. And I wanted to transition a little bit into age out forward of the year, who ironically enough is someone that I haven't gotten the opportunity to watch because they were a rookie out in the Pacific division this year, Chris. Yeah. And so the age out forward of the year, it is going to be from the, I guess now the Fresno monsters, but he spent a bulk of the season with long beach shredders. It's going to be the O2 out of Moscow, Russia, Yuri Stalev. I tell you what, this player can do on the ice is incredible. He's got just uh, dirty mitts. He's had one of the prettiest goals you'll see all year and will eventually be featured on my top goals of the year for the Pigeon Hockey podcast out of the West. And yeah, just just an incredible, just an incredible goal scorer and playmaker. 
ended the year on a six-game point streak. He had 30 goals in 43 games this year. And I think for Stalev, too, that's it's indicative of some other guys that we will see later in the pod or hear later in the pod. We call a forward tease, my friends, where, you know, it's guys that have not played junior hockey before. They come over uh, from Europe and then they really adjust, take some time to adjust to the junior game here and then just full steam ahead. And they're able to pick it up and start scoring. Uh, that's something that Fresno found a little bit this year with a couple of different guys. And then obviously Stalev, who split between Long Beach and the Monsters. Yeah, very excited to to watch him all year and to continue to see him um, in the uh, Pacific Division playoffs this coming weekend and maybe beyond. Um, so, yeah, excellent, excellent. Uh, and again, he's kind of a very versatile player, too. We, we leave that part off. I think he started the year um, as a defenseman in Long Beach. Uh, I could be wrong there, but I when I drafted him on my fantasy team, he was a defenseman, um, quickly figured out he was a forward. He's a versatile guy. Can't go wrong with little versatility, right? You know, a guy that can no, score no. at the blue line is always a good thing. And, you know, then turns out he's a forward. And I know the age-out defenseman of the year is someone that has a little bit of a scoring touch as well, Chris. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, we've watched him the last couple of years. We're very familiar with him in the Mountain Division. But he's the 0-2 out of Vernon Hills, Illinois, from the Utah Outliers, Matthew Koepke. Um, I believe, if I'm not incorrect, you've had him on your fantasy team all year, and uh, he's just been, again, he's just been incredible to watch. I think he's he's been with them a few years now, if I'm not incorrect, because he was massively yep. improved um, from the year before. And then this year, I mean, you just knew when, with, when he was coming back to the outliers that he was just going to be a force to be reckoned with back on the blue line. Yeah, and this, you know, he'll wind up, uh, he's still obviously playing in the playoffs, but, you know, a third-year player over 135 games with Utah Outliers in three seasons, was their team captain this year, he's got a college commitment for Concordia next year, and I think the thing that you look at Matt Kepke as an age-out player, and he is exactly what you envision at this level. Um, His first year as a rookie, he really was a a bottom pair developing defenseman, played in 45 games. And then in the playoffs, his first season, he had four points in four games. And you really started to see more confidence moving the puck. His second year exploded, almost over quadrupled his scoring output, took a little bit of a step back in his scoring game this year, only eight goals um, and 32 points overall. But the trade-off was, I mean, he became a heavy minutes eater at the blue line um, for the outliers this year, was a lot more willing to throw the body around. And by and large, I think the thing that impressed me the most about Kepke's development this year was he really stayed out of the box far more than last year. Him just throwing the bodies around, um, just he just got bigger. <laughs> he was um, more able to do that. And uh, yeah, it was... Staying out of the box is so underrated. I guess when when we're talking about it on a podcast, we don't bring it up as much as maybe we we should. But uh, yeah, it's it's a key attribute is not making those stupid penalties, which I, I saw a lot of 
this uh, this weekend in round one of the playoffs, which could have seriously cost um, and and in some cases did cost their teams. When you got to take a penalty, a good penalty is a good penalty. They exist. But, you know, not taking all these bad penalties or these selfish penalties um, is a, it's an attribute that uh, is quite underrated in a lot of players. It can be. And I mean, the uh, age out goalie of the year, it's hard for them to take penalties, although I've seen it. The age out out goalie of the year is kind of in in some respects similar to Stalev in in that really jumped on the scene this year, had a great year for a first year franchise. Yes, and that is out of the Rock Springs prospectors, the 0-2 out of Vancouver, British Columbia, Brody Shaw, who also coincidentally, and this says everything about this player's character, is an alternate captain for the team as a goalie. Just an incredible goalie. It was so much fun watching him all year long uh, really take the net because if people recall back in the beginning of the season when we were you know, assessing all these teams, it just didn't look like Rock Springs was going with a goalie. They were really rotating the four goalies that they had. And I guess the coaching staff was trying to figure out who wanted to take the blue paint. And I figured by the time November-ish rolled around, it was really looking like it was between Lednicki and Shao. And yep. and Shao took it. And he ended up becoming the, the 1A in that 1A-1B duo. Just incredible tracking. He really good at staying square to the shooter can recover quite well because there was a lot of times that, uh, you know, the Rock Springs prospectors would be getting outplayed by their opponent and he would keep them in the game, if not steal the game. And uh, it was it was an impressive to watch. Yeah, I mean, you know, your goalies, Chris, so I'm just going to trust you on this. Yeah, (laughs) no, no, I, I do know my goalies. And yeah, he was one of the most fun goalies to watch this year. And uh, also big congratulations to him, as I believe he's been selected again to represent his uh, Chinese Taipei team off in the Division Three. I've got to remember the grouping, but it's in Cape Town, South Africa. Yep. Uh, that he will be uh, backstopping his um, Chinese Taipei team. So big congratulations to him. It's going to be Group A. So I just checked it out. It is Group A of Division Three of the 2023 IHF Ice Hockey World Championships in Cape Town, South Africa. So good luck and congratulations to Brody Shao. Love that stuff. And you know what? Speaking of the fact that I really love my goalies, um, every possible extra little award I can ever give away is to a goalie. I'm going to say this is going to be the unsung hero of the year award. And... It, last year, I would, I guess the player of the year was kind of that unsung hero in, in, in terms of Patrick Colburn, who this year yeah. went to the Atlanta Mad Hatters. You talk about a goalie that just faced everything he could with the River Blades last year and really, really stood out in that. And this year, it's going to be now with the Vernal Oilers, previously with the Idaho Falls Bud Kings, Ben DeFiore, uh, the 0-2 out of Glen Falls, New York. Uh, you want to talk about a probably one of the roughest ways to start a new franchise is not having your rink ready yet, playing all your games on the road. And the players don't know each other that well. The systems are still being established. It's really good luck if you can get ice time because you didn't have a home rink. Um, it was a rough start to the Idaho Falls uh, season. And 
a bulk of that time was spent in that by DeFiori while this team was just trying to figure out what their identity was. Yeah, and I, I'm really glad that you put it that way because that's exactly what it was, right? Is Idaho Falls had to figure out what they what they had, what they didn't have, what they needed, what what they didn't need. And I mean, you look at, at DeFiori this year, and the overall numbers may not wow you, obviously. Um, but especially the first half of the year, I mean, he had to face a firing squad. He had a game where he made 78 saves in one Unreal. single game, right? Against Pueblo. He stopped <laughs> 40 or more shots seven times. And, you know, the thing is, is I'm glad that he's getting to maybe see more individual success in the numbers column um, since joining Vernal, just because, you know, some of his playtime had started to dissipate a little bit down the second half with the spuds. He was exactly what they needed to stabilize that goaltending position early on, um, because, I mean, he was the, the spud king's number one until mid-January, really. Because they were really bouncing between a bunch of different goalies. I think he did see the, did he not see the bulk of the time in the beginning of the season? Because it was him, Shrimpton, and Jude Ailing, Ailing. who's yeah. still there. Yeah, Idaho Falls. Yeah. Um, along with Provo, used the most goaltending of anyone in the division and and in the Mountain Division, rather. And and DeFiori, you know, the other thing too is he's an age out player as well. He's an O2 Berkier, um, came over from Bay State in the NA3 last year, and so it, it was good to see him have get to have a little more success down the stretch. And I'm excited to see what that looks like in terms of the next level for him. Yeah, very excited to see where he commits to, uh, should he choose to go that route or, you know, whichever, whichever direction he chooses to go. It's going to be going to be excited to see what happens with uh, with Ben DeFiori. Now we're going to break into the Northwest Division, Brendan. It's the unknown frontier for me, um, such as it were. <laughs> uh, no, but, you know, starting with the, the Northwest Division, right, you obviously we want to start with the forwards. And one of the things that you'll see, I guess, across these Northwest Division Awards. This was a very young division, Chris. By and large, yes. the Northwest Division was very young. Yeah, it was incredibly young. And, and again, an entire division trying to find an identity. Uh, you had Rock Springs. That was a completely new franchise. You had, um, you know, the Rogue Valley, uh, which is a city that's very comfortable with having junior hockey in the past. But again, the Rogue Valley being a new franchise under Ruddle. Uh, you had Seattle, Bellingham, or I wow. guess Seattle and Bellingham that were kind of, they, they have histories um, being in different leagues. And then Vernal, who, oh, wow, the year they had, the year before under the CAJ, well, I guess they started in the WSHL and then they went to the CAJ. It was a rough year for Oilers fans to understand what was happening. <laughs> and I think maybe for the staffs. Um, maybe for everyone, but, really. <laughs> yeah. um and it was great to see them stabilize in the usphl premiere this year and not only stabilize but just <laughs> take over so the division as a whole is trying to find an identity anyway break into the forward of the year and that is going to or i guess the northwest uh, division forward of the year it's going to be rain hodge the 04 out of waterloo ontario who plays for the seattle totems so Rain Hodge basically eviscerated the division, and he did it as an 04. And I, I think one of the things that I like about the USPHL structure and that, that Hodge was able to kind of do um, is he started the year in the NCDC in Utica, played nine games, didn't see a lot of time, and then looked and said, okay, you know, I would rather play a lot of minutes at a lower level and really get a chance to develop and shine. 
and boy, did he ever. I mean, he averaged you know, <laughs> two goals a game, um, 40 goals in 24 games, and he kind of leads the, the, the line, so to speak, in some of those young stars or developing players in that Northwest division. No, 100 percent. He was he was incredible to watch this year and he only joined them like I think it was the 4th of December, if I recall, was his was his first game with Seattle. So he put up some pretty big numbers for only having been there since the beginning of December. But he really, really stood out and uh, made a name for himself uh, here in the, the USPHL premiere. And now we'll take ourselves into the Northwest Division Defender of the Year. And this is going to be from the Rock Springs Prospectors, the 06 out of Czechia, Matai Nemec. I tell you, he started the year off extremely, extremely strong. And I, I think he had to be injured or something in the month of February because I only think he got one game in. But what a solid defender for uh, for Rock Springs this year. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, the point category was a little bit more popping the first half of the year, but he settled in defensively against a tougher schedule in the second half for Rock Springs. And, you know, they had to play Vernal multiple times. They played Fresno. They played Ontario. They played Idaho Falls and Ogden. And he was really able to provide some really good minutes um, on the blue line for Rock Springs. Ended up with 17 points, um, which led all defensemen for the prospectors. So, again, he's someone that is a piece that you can build around. And we talked about the youth in the Northwest Division, Chris. He's an 05. There's a lot of room there. Yeah, there, there's a lot of room, and it's it's going to be exciting to see um, how Rock Springs continues to build next year and if uh, Nemec is going to be part of that uh, group. Now, the Northwest Division goalie there is going to be from the Bellingham Blazers, the 05 out of Surrey, British Columbia, Kai Rivas. Again, just another real fun goalie to watch. Uh, incredible leg movement. It seems like he had really good vision, really good tracking. Uh, just really just another fun goalie to watch this year that kept his game or I guess kept his team in games where sometimes they probably shouldn't have been in. Yeah. And I'm glad you added that because I think with Rivas this year, he stole games for Bellingham and I'm really excited to see what may happen with a second year under his belt. I mean, he had uh, this season, he had a pair of shutouts when eight and 17, he had a nine Oh eight save percentage. And that is very good for a young goaltender. Incredible. And when you like the record you're talking about there, when you when you see that save percentage in that record, it, it does tell you a lot about what the goalie probably experienced that year and um, how they performed. And, you know, that that should be something appealing to, um, uh, you know, any coaching staff or scouts looking to, you know, develop their their next level team. Um, I think it's a great time now to break into the Pacific Division, and we're going to start in the Fords again. And the Ford of the Year for the Pacific Division is going to be off of Las Vegas, the 0-2 out of East Angus, Quebec, Nerik Alexinian. You brought him up earlier in the podcast, and what else can you say about Alexinian? Uh, an absolute scoring machine. So so yeah. here's the thing with Alexinian, right? Three seasons in juniors, two with Fresno, one with Las Vegas. 307 points in three years. And we'll talk a little bit about this later, I imagine. But Alex Anion actually in USPHL history is fifth all time in goals, by the way, in just two seasons. Um, he scored 94 goals in two years. And I, I mean, he does it in such a variety of ways. He does it even strength. He does it on the power play. He is not afraid to use his big body and get to the front of the net. He's also got a heck of a shot. 
yeah, I, I just I, I am at a loss because the production and the talent is just off the charts. Yeah, and it's going to be really exciting. I don't I don't know if Las Vegas announced uh, where he plans on being next year, but it'll be exciting to see um, what uh, what college program uh, is smart enough to pick him up. <laughs> and uh, speaking of, you know, just again another great Pacific player um, and likely one of his old teammates here from the Fresno Monsters, the O2 out of Fresno, California, and the captain of the Monsters, Jake. But we're going to say Gagnon. We've been debating this all year. We're going to go with Gagnon because he's from California. If, if CA meant Canada, we'd say, you know, Genial. But it's Jacob Gagnon, the captain of the Fresno Monsters. What what a player. So Gagnon is, I, I would argue, you know, the consistent face as it were of the monsters over the last three years just from he's been a member of the team since they've joined the usphl he's been a a double digit goal scorer all three seasons earned the c this year he's a local kid grew up in fresno um and you just look and again it's it's the same like how much more could he have possibly given to the program um you know over a hundred 10 games as a monster. He was an all-star last year. I find it hard to believe that he won't be an all-star again this year um, when the league selections come out here in a, in a, in a month or so. Um, just an outstanding season and career for Gagnon. Yeah, it really has been. And again, for all these players, it's just going to be exciting for those O2s. Um, where are they going to end up next year? Um, and that takes us to the Pacific Division Goalie of the Year. And this is going to be out of San Diego, the O2 out of Boulder, Colorado, Ethan Blackburn. He's a big kid. I <laughs> uh, got to see him in person at the uh, Las Vegas Showcase. He is quite tall. I want to say he's 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". And put him on skates. He's just a monster. Um, and, well, actually, he's a saber. But uh, I tell you, he had an incredible <laughs> <Yeah>. year. <laughs> and uh, he really, I mean really stood out in that for for San Diego this year. I know that he dealt with an injury late in the season. I tell you what, what a netminder. So Blackburn, the Colorado kid, actually, uh, from Boulder, played his youth hockey with the Rough Riders, went to Monarch High. Last year, he was the number two in Wisconsin Rapids and played really, really well in, in shall we say, limited action, um, just 11 games. But this year, he took that starting role and just ran with it, especially the first half of the season. I mean, he had some very, very good, good games. He had a 48-save shutout back in October in a one nothing win over Las Vegas, arguably his finest performance of his career, let alone the season. And, um, you know, again, as an O2, I'm excited to see where that goes next year. Um, I think goaltending, if you're doing it well at the junior level, especially in the Tier 3, there are a lot of, if not NCAA D3 schools that will be interested. Um, certainly some very high-level ACHA D1 schools that would be very interested to have a 6-5 uh, shot stopper between the pipes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing that looking at his game all season is he doesn't make the sexy saves. He doesn't make those highlight reel saves for the most part that make it onto my onto my highlight reels. He's got that uh, what I would say is like that Miller-esque type of play where he's just almost always in position. So 
when he makes a save, it's not like, wow, what an incredible save because he was already there, which we all love, especially as a goalie. All of us goalies love the goalies to make the flashy, fun saves. But Ethan can make it look easy. And that's really, really impressive. And that'll take us into the Mountain Division. So the Mountain Division, forward of the year, this should come as a shocker. But it's off the Real Mustangs. Real breaking the news here. <laughs> the O2 out of the Ogden Mustangs, Fremont, California native, and the all-time leading scorer in USPHL history, the captain of the Mustangs, Jake Murray. Jake Murray, I think what's incredible about him setting the scoring record and just his season as a whole. Well, for starters, before we get anywhere, he was one of five 100-point scorers in the USPHL this year. He had 101 points in 51 games. That's nearly two per game on average. Um, Closed the season scorching hot. I think the thing that was so impressive about Murray this season was really it felt like the first two years he'd almost been, pardon the pun, pigeonholed as a disher to whether it was Herrera or Voyatsis or Wachko. And coming into this season, there wasn't really a, a scoring guy um, coming back for Ogden. And then Jake Murray said, well, I, I can do that. Um, he scored 47 goals and just thrashed everyone. He did it on the power play. He did it even strength. He did it shorthanded. It was tips. It was wrist shots. It was positioning. I mean, there was nothing he did not do on the offensive side of the puck this year. No, and I tell you what, the Buffalo State Bengals are getting a hell of a player. And, uh, you know, very excited that he's going to be on my hometown team uh, out there in Buffalo. And he's getting ready again. I've mentioned that on the podcast before, but for some of the best wings of his life. And remember, Jake, in Buffalo, they're just called wings. That's it. Uh, very important. You don't want to look funny. Um, now, Mountain Division, no Buffalo, defender Buffalo of the... Wing. <laughs> no, don't say Buffalo Wings in Buffalo. We'll know you're not from Buffalo if you do that. Um, they're just wings. And again, some of the, I don't care what anybody says, especially if you're from Chicago, the best pizza in the world is in New York. And I'm sorry, Buffalo's better than New York City. I've been to New York City. It's okay. But Ouch, the Mountain Division defender. Bombs, folks. <laughs> no, Buffalo's got amazing pizza. It's it's amazing. Pizza and wings are the way to go in Buffalo. Ah, God, honestly, the whole food scene in Buffalo, that's one thing we have. You mix all that Polish and German and Italian food and all the Lebanese food. It's, sorry for anyone that doesn't realize that. It's it's actually incredible. Um, it's probably good I don't live there anymore. I'd be probably overweight. But Mountain Division Defender of the Year is going to be a Northern Colorado Eagle. He's going to be What's close that? to Buffalo. Who is? Oh, Xavier. Yes, yeah. he will, because he's uh, he's committed to um, Sonny Fredonia, hasn't he, with Charles yes. Anthony Barbeau? Yes. Yeah, he'll be he'll very be close to Buffalo. He will be, and he can enjoy all that. You know what? Maybe Charles Anthony Barbeau, Xavier Fortin, and Jake Murray can all get together for some uh, pizza and wings. They've all been mentioned on this podcast enough. But, yeah, Xavier Fortin, the, the O2 out of Quebec that will be joining Charles Anthony Barbeau and Sonny Fredonia next year is the Defender of the Year. And you're the Eagles broadcaster. What else can you say about Fortin's game, we knew he was going to be just the way he played last year, what he was going to be doing this year. What can't you say about his game, Chris? No, you know, 12 goals this season. He set a career high in all major offensive categories. He was able to stay healthy. Um, He lost a couple of months last year to a wrist injury. Played in 51 of 52 games this year. 
both playoff games. And not only did he play in all those games, Chris, he averaged 31 and a half minutes a game this season. I mean, he was such a rock at the blue line. And one of the things that you saw develop as the season progressed is his confidence carrying the puck um, and making decisions with the puck, especially offensively, really grew um, as the season progressed. And, you know, even like the back half of the year, we started seeing, especially the last month of the season, we started seeing Fortin utilize his body a little bit more and be willing to throw hits and, and, and throw his weight around. He's 6'1", he's 185. And even apart from the game on the ice, I just don't know that you'll find a nicer kid off of the ice. Just an incredible young man. And I'm really excited to see him move on and head to Fredonia um, and and continue developing at the college level as a player, as a person, as a scholar. Just a, a well-earned honor. And it's going to be a shame in some respects to not get to watch him play after getting to see him for three years. Yeah. To watch him develop over the last couple seasons has been incredible. I mean, just the hockey IQ on the kid is so good. And uh, I mean, Sonny Fredonia, I mean, well done in recruiting, getting one of the best goalies and one of the best defenders uh, out here in the West. Um, Cause uh, Charles Anik Barbeau might've made this list had he stayed, but he was needed in Sonny Fredonia and, and off he went. And uh, well, we talked enough about uh, about the Cavs, so let's talk about another goalie in the Mountain Division. The one that really stood out this year and just uh, incredible play, speaking of the East Coast. He's from Butler, Pennsylvania, the 3 from the Utah Outliers, Nathan Dickey. So Dickey came into the season and, and really kind of wrestled the number one starting job away from, from Marco Felicetti. He ended the year with five shutouts which is tied for second in the USPHL this year. And there just weren't many games where he was, a, 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 I would say, an easy road for opponents. I mean, he gave up four goals twice, five goals twice, and that's it. A whole lot of zeros, a whole lot of ones, a whole lot of twos. And, I mean, this is a guy who kind of bounced around last year and really settled in with Coach Paul Taylor, found a home. And is most certainly, I imagine, here in a month's time, going to be in the running for one of the league all-star spots at the goaltending position. 17-2-2, Chris, in 21 years. Unreal. Unreal. And he's incredible. I mean, the way he plays, again, it's just incredible. He's made some really pretty saves this year. But... Uh, he again just one of those goalies that tracks so well he stays square to shooter he's got his angles covered he just he doesn't give you much he just doesn't give you much you, you pair that with just the defense he had this year and i tell you what it makes the utah outliers heading to not only these playoffs this this weekend but you know potentially the nationals one of the scariest teams that that'll be uh that'll be hitting the ice here in the next couple weeks so very, very excited to watch. Our final four awards, here they are. Are you ready? We're going to start with the Western. This is for the entire West, Northwest, Pacific, and Mountain Divisions combined, the Ford of the Year. And that is going to be from the Provo Predators, the 04 out of Boucherville, Quebec, Emmanuel Nakambu. This guy is incredible. Did you see his goal, that Finneganov-style goal that he scored a couple weeks ago? Yes, and I, I, I pause there just because Kambu is exactly, well, 
he is exactly the kind of guy that you look at and you go, this is why the ladder of development exists, right? Yep. He finished with 37 points in 49 games, but you could really tell the first half of the year he was trying to get comfortable both on the ice with his body. I mean, he's 6'6". Six, six, he's huge. 200 pounds. He's like Sedano <laughs> Chara on skates. And you could really see in the first half of the year he was trying to get comfortable with what was he going to be good at, what could he excel at. And the second half of the year in particular, he finished the regular season on an 11-game point streak. And it really felt like you watched him become more comfortable throwing his weight around in a way that wasn't going to get him called for penalties. You felt like he knew on the power play in particular, okay, I'm going to the front of the net off of rebounds and I'm going to create problems for goaltending. And then, as you mentioned, he had that highlight real goal a couple of weeks ago in the regular season. And, you know, he's a guy that, again, we talk about youth. He's an 04, so he's got two more years. And um, I'm really excited to see how his development goes. And I think that his development really was anthemic of Provo this season. As he got comfortable, he found an identity. Provo found an identity. Yeah, I mean, he just just the all-around player that you'd want on your team that just knows where to be. Like I said, at the second half of the season, how to throw his body around without getting those penalties because he's so big. And really just stood out as that all-around threat that the, the Provo needed. And just just an overall absolutely incredible player. And uh, really excited to see what happens next year because I'm imagining from the way he's played at the end of the year that uh, we should be seeing him get tendered very, very soon thereafter because I know that tenders are restricted from what I understand during the season. But uh, that said, the Western Defender of the Year is going to be off the Ogden Mustangs, the 03 out of Stockholm, Sweden, Teddy Hember. Wow. I mean, just so much wow. I mean, it, it almost like circling back to Stalev right at the beginning of the pod, talking about guys that come over from Europe, get adjusted. And I think what was interesting with Hember is, so he came over to Ogden, which plays on Olympic ice. That's European ice. So the adjustment period was that much easier, I think, for him. But he was second amongst all defensemen in, in the USPHL in scoring. 58 points, 12 goals, 46 assists, and... The the other piece with Hember is he did not take a penalty in, until January. He took seven penalties <laughs> all year, and he did not take one until January. And and he was a guy that you know I talked with with uh, Mustangs head coach Kenny Orlando about um, on both trips that Ogden made out to the ice house. And you know he just said he loves how he moves the puck, loves his reads, and he's just always in the right spot. And he creates so well offensively. Obviously that'll be on display against Pueblo this weekend. Like Kampu, he finished the regular season hot. Points in nine of his last ten, had a couple, had three of his 12 goals in his last 10 games. And so he's a guy that I think, again, he's an 03. He's got one more year. Yeah, so I'm, I'm expecting that, again, uh, another player I expect to be tendered here, if not already done so by his uh, current host team but you know we'll see now before we break into the western goalie of the year i'm gonna say if you're a junior goalie out there or really any beer league goalie anybody college goalie and you want an amazing or affordable mask uh, order your dream design for your goalie mask at maskwraps.ca great price custom design fast turnaround and completely removable order yours today at maskwraps.ca and get 15 percent off your mask design with discount code pigeon 2023 
that said the goalie of the year in the West is going to be from the Bakersfield Roughnecks, the 04 out of Arizona, Connor Duminil. I mean, you watched his games all year, and Bakersfield, expansion team, uh, a rough go like it was for many expansion teams this year. And not only did he keep them in games that they really had no need to be in at that point, uh, he stole games, which I think helped build the confidence of Bakersfield to continue to – and it's it's, it's going to be a fun team for years to come to watch. And I tell you what, the foundation of this team this year, uh, from what I was seeing, was Connor Dumino. Yeah, and, and Dumino, the thing – and you mentioned the Roughnecks being an expansion team – the piece that they didn't quite have this year, um, which is going to be tough in the Pacific Division with scoring, that wasn't something that came easily to them. But Dumanil, again, kind of like Rivas in the Northwest, young goaltender, 10-18-2 on the overall record, but a 907 save percentage. He, as you mentioned, he stole the Roughnecks some games, and he gave them a chance in many more games that he wasn't able to fully steal. I mean, you look at some of the games where even Bakersfield earned overtime points. It was because Dumanil was fantastic, right? He had multiple 3-2 losses where he would make 45 saves yeah. on 48 shots and gave yeah. his team a chance to win games. And so I I will be interested to see if he comes back to the USPHL Premier or I could see an NCDC team possibly taking a look at him and saying, hey, you're young, we'll tender you, we want to develop you. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all. And, and and any any scouts or coaching staffs out there that are looking to shore up their positions there at the, at the tier two level, they need to watch his games. He was just incredible this year. Really, really, really fun to watch. And that takes us into our final award of this podcast. And this is the player of the year in the West, regardless of position. And this is from the Vernal Oilers, the O2 out of Fremont, California. Antonio Tarantino. I don't think this would come as a shock. We've been preaching about him all year, and there's a there's a massive reason for that, Brendan. Well, yeah, I mean, Tino. Again, I I think the the awesome thing about watching him play this year was he was excellent in limited duty last year in Ogden. Was kind of the in some ways the two A guy. Give him a spot start. He'll go out to you and go out there and get you a win joined Ontario for the playoff run last season and he joined Vernal this year and he was the starter from day one and boy oh boy did he make it (laughs) worth it one of four 20 game winners in the USPHL this year he went 22 one and two a 935 save percentage a couple of shutouts and I mean he just dominated all season and you know down the stretch when Vernal was playing games outside of the division he gave them a chance in games. I mean, he made 58 saves on 62 shots in that overtime loss in Ogden. Uh, with the Dan Cage show there, gave Vernal a chance to win that game. And he's going to be the guy that Vernal's, they are going to need him during nationals to really try and, and, and get them through. Um, and he's certainly a goaltender that can do it. Just an outstanding season and, and really an outstanding career in the USP for Tarantino, who's an 0-2. He's aging out. Yeah, and it'll be, you know, too bad for us, uh, you know, that, that love this level to not be able to see him next year. Very excited for where he goes in the future. And, and it was really, really a big pleasure talking to him at the Las Vegas Showcase. 
He's a good kid, and I'm really excited for what the future holds for him. But that said, we should wrap this up. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Be sure to reach out if you're new junior collegiate hockey worlds and wish again on a future podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at PHH Official or on Instagram at PHH Podcast, or even check us out on TikTok. I should probably post a little bit more out there um, at Pigeon Hockey Podcast to let us know what you think. This was the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and Brendan. Thanks for stopping by and listening to us yammer on about awards. (laughs) Absolutely. And remember, listeners, always clear your crease.